Welcome to Brussels Bubble Tea, a podcast that aims to explore all the questions related to the life in the EU bubble. Today, we are joined by three of our colleagues who've embarked on the adventure of leaving away from their home countries to pursue careers in Brussels. On this episode, we will discuss their unique experiences, challenges, and insights into making a new home in Belgium. Let me introduce you to our guests today. I have here Johanna. Hi. Nuda. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. Thank you so much for joining. Let's start very quickly with a short intro about, about y- yourself, how long you've been with the company and from, from where you're from originally. Who wants to kick us off? Okay. Johanna, go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, so I have been with the FDI for, I think, about half a year now, and uh, I come from Finland. Thank you. Nuda? I joined FTI last October, so it's been five months now, and I come from Tunisia. And Ryan? I've been at FTI for, I think, over four and a half years now. I joined just before COVID in 2019. Thank you. Um, so let's start with the first question. Um, so we want to know how long you've been in Brussels or in Belgium in general, and also how did you end up here? Because you t- shared with us just now how long you've been with the company, but I guess you didn't move just for FTI, or maybe. I don't know. We'll just find out now. Who wants to kick us off? I can. Uh, I'll go away again. Um, so I have ended up to Belgium, actually, because I'm not living in Brussels. Um, so you live in Leuven, right? You told us. Yeah. yeah. So I live in the Dutch-speaking area. Um, not too far away, though. Um, I have been there for... I think six years or so. And for me, it's the very, I guess, traditional story of falling in love and uh, following my husband, now husband and boyfriend, uh, who was studying in Leuven already in that point. So, but you met him here in Belgium or in Finland? No, I mean, you... long story short, I was actually living in Luxembourg at that ah, time. Okay, okay. From there. So um, it's been complicated and long story, but uh, I'm. But you ended up now. in Leuven then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> nice. And and you knew that. So uh, I was studying in Paris, and um, at some point, for some uh, heartbroken reason, so the other the opposite of what happened to you, uh, I had to leave Paris because uh, I was in a very bad shape. So I um, got the chance to get get into the College of Europe. And I moved to uh, Bruges. Okay. Uh, and after Bruges, very classically, uh, I ended up in Brussels doing competition law. Not nice. very original. So how long? <laughs> how long does it does it ta- does it make then? Then from if you count the the college experience, um, four four years. Okay, four years. Okay. And Ryan, I think I know your story very well, but uh, I think everyone wants to listen to it now. Um, yeah. So I mean, I joined, uh, moved to Brussels for FTI. Um, the reality of it was I was having that sort of existential dread moment at the end of university where I finished my dissertation and I was like, oh, now I have to work for a living. And, um, I was at the university and I just did it. I went to the cafeteria and there were some Brussels sprouts with gravy on top of it. And I was at university (laughs) in Spain. And so I saw it as a sign and I went and started applying for a few jobs. And one of them was at FTI. And the rest uh, was also in Brussels or just FTI was in Brussels? Uh, there was like three in Brussels, okay. right? Um, and then, yeah, FTI hired me and that's how I ended up moving to Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing those, those uh, stories. Um, then when you moved, um, what were the main challenges you encountered? I mean, it could be 
you know, being just sad, but also just admin wise, because I know how tricky it can be to, to run all the admin stuff here in Brussels or in Belgium. Um, is there something that you can share with us on the challenges? Yeah, maybe I'll go first. Um, because I was moving across to Belgium. I was, my dad was driving me over, taking all my stuff. We got over on the boat and, uh, from Holland, from the UK to the Netherlands. And just before I was about to get on the boat, I got a message from the people that do background checks uh-huh. at FTA. And I was like, there's been an issue with confirming your university degree. And I was like, okay, okay what's <laughs> going on? And then the problem was I was getting onto the boat as that happened. And I was really freaking out. And I ended up spending about 25 euros in like international maritime, like internet data, just to find out my university had told the people doing the background checks. I didn't have a degree because I, I didn't pay my library fine of one euro, one pound, sorry. Oh um, gosh. Okay. From, <laughs> and so I had this That's strict, experience yeah. <laughs> for maybe about maybe about two hours on a boat, right? Where I was freaking out thinking I was moving to Belgium and I was going to get my job rejected, but I paid one pound and then and they then confirmed. And then it all got, okay, okay. <laughs> but then what, what happened? Any um, like things that you encountered when you were already in Belgium? Because this is on your way to Belgium. Yeah. But I guess the language barrier maybe as well, because not everyone speaks um, English everywhere here in, in Brussels. Yeah, I think finding a flat was really hard yeah. for me because I knew nothing about Brussels yeah. um, and I ended up getting a place right off uh, Schumann roundabout, which actually ends up shutting half the time when, when all the important people are in town and I had to get like a little badge to prove I lived. Um, so that's how it works on those streets. Yeah. I, on some I, was streets. Also, I always wonder like when you see those, like, you know, streets closed for the summit or whatever, mm-hmm. so people who live there can move around, right? Yeah. They can't, but tricky. But it's hard. Like when <laughs> okay. Biden comes to, comes to town, like it's crazy. And like, sometimes I just couldn't get to my flat for a few hours. I had to sit in Saint-Contenaire. Uh, Gosh, <laughs> thankfully it was sunny but um <laughs> i wish i knew a little bit more before coming here about the areas i just kind of guessed yeah. and took the first place that accepted me um out of like sheer panic um so i think i just wish i'd like researched a little bit more and knew what resources to go to to uh to make sure about where mm-hmm. i was living and you you lived with um with other people or on your own at the beginning yeah i lived with other people i was quite lucky i um i had a good mix between people who are from um, from Belgium and then also some that came in okay. like similar to me. So there's a few people who will, I think the one thing about mm-hmm. it is in Brussels is like, there's always someone in the same boat as you. <laughs> there's always someone who's just moved at the same time, who's just as desperate to, to, to make friends and you're all just as desperate as each other. And so you all hang out and then you kind of just meet a network like that. Okay. Nice. How about you know that? What, what challenges you encounter? What can you actually also suggest to people to do beforehand if they can, you know, make it better? Um, I think the most challenging thing was um, getting, and this happened when I, because what I didn't mention in the beginning is that I, at some point I moved back to Tunisia and then I came back for FTI and it's FTI who got my visa sponsorship, sponsorship, sorry, thing sorted out. And um, in this situation, uh, I strongly advise people to make sure that they are hired by companies who can sponsor them and who commit to do that, right? Commit to do this that. Is, this is important for people who are not from the yeah. from the European Union, Union. right? Yes. yes. As a non-EU citizen, um, I went through a very actually even uh, Ryan is no longer an EU yeah, citizen. Right? <laughs> we are not treated the same way, I think. But that's another story. But um, you just need to make sure that you are with a company who can uh, help you get your way to the European Union and to the European market. Uh, because that takes time and it took me around six months of uh, procedures and waiting and lawyers and stuff to get everything sorted out so I can 
could finally get that thing called visa stamps in my passport so I could get oh, wow. on a plane and then come to Brussels. And and even when I went to Brussels um, by mid-September, I had to wait until the commune had validated my visa mm-hmm. that was given by the Belgian authorities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I got Belgian validating what Belgium or had already given to me. <laughs> yeah, complicated. So, it's complicated. So in the end, it all worked out. Yes, all worked out. And uh, I'm a happy consultant with the MFTI now. Perfect. That's nice. But also you don't have the language barrier on your ca- no, in your case, right? Absolutely so you speak French I'm, fluently. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's my native yeah. um, language. So it's- um, and you, Johanna? Yeah, I think that I have been very lucky out of this group of people because I I had a boyfriend and still have, I mean, he's my husband now, um, who is from Belgium. So for me, that helped a lot with all the barriers uh, in that sense. And it was easy to kind of find my way through you all the administration. Tricks, you know, yeah, yeah how exactly. to deal with those things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also I had someone to translate everything that happened in town halls. Um, to me, they have been these like little administration things that they drive me crazy, but of course they are not major. Like, for example, trying to get myself registered in a Belgian municipality while I had an ID, which is a valid EU identification document, but they needed a passport. So I had to apply for one because the Finnish ID doesn't have your place of birth. Oh, like it's it's not useful. We, I don't use those things. Yeah. But yeah, it depends on which country you come from, right? It's can be like new like challenges could come up with small little things like that which is crazy yeah it's and just, it's uh, these are like really small things yeah, yeah, but yeah. then they become very big because you can't get yourself registered yeah. because there is this little detail that is different in your country than mm-hmm. it is in the country that you are moving to oh uh, okay well that that's good to know actually it's all very good uh, experiences to share with with um with people that you know who who will listen to this podcast i hope it's going to be useful um, and then I wanted to see like how living abroad, maybe here it could be a more general question as well. It could be when you lived maybe at the, in your different life, you know, um, in a different country. Um, how has it impacted your personal development and your career? Has that had a big impact or you took it as a great experience and, you know, only what was positive about it and you took it with you and that's it. Can you share a bit about that maybe? Yeah. Um, I think the first thing about living abroad, maybe it's not my professional development, but I learned a lot more about food as a, <laughs> as a Brit. Um, I learned a lot more about Italians and food and what to do with Italians. And that's really helped my professional development uh, to avoid certain situations. But I think for me in terms of it is like, even in, in like some of the other places I've been to before FTI, um, everyone was kind of from the same place or the yeah. same country. Reality is there's a lot of different nuances and a lot of different stories. And it actually, I think just makes you, you know, it's like you're surrounded by like multiculturalism. Right. And so you, you do embrace it, whether you like it or not, you don't really have a choice to a certain degree. And Brussels is obviously a lot more to be done there, but like in general, in comparison to say, if I went back to, to Scotland, yeah, everyone would be born in Scotland or at the very uh, least yeah, yeah. England. And there might've been one or two people who were from a different country. Um, and so I think, that's really, really kind of just me as you go, uh, mm. become better at that and mm. kind of just open your world to something that you didn't realize beforehand. And then you can now appreciate. So I think that's probably one of the main things about Brussels. I think yeah. it's really good for that. Nice. Yeah. And then Nuda, you said that you lived also in Paris, so you can maybe compare both experiences. 
for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, so despite the fact that both cities are in the European Union and are very important cities in the world, um, personally, I definitely prefer living in Brussels because life in Brussels is easier. Um, the life quality is much better. Uh, people are... And I'm sorry for every French <laughs> person listening to this, uh, but people in Paris tend to be mean. And um, it's also a bigger city. Maybe it's more stressful life for them. I don't know. I'm just I don't know trying if to, to if help is, their case here. I don't know if it's really more stressful. Uh, I worked in a law firm in Paris. I worked in a law firm in Brussels. And the workload in Brussels was really much higher. Uh, maybe it's because it's competition law. I don't know. But uh, still, um, the the interactions with people are much easier in Brussels, and I think that's what made makes my Brussels experience probably the best experience of my life until now, um, because it's very easy to run into people and make new friends and um, discover other cultures, as you just said, Ryan, um, and learn more about food. Uh, that's that, that's a true <laughs> thing. <laughs> Restaurants uh, in this city are crazy. In Paris as well, but still, uh, I definitely, but, but it's, I think, a very personal uh, approach and perspective. Yeah, but also I think it's, Brussels being small, I think it's also easier to, you mm -hmm. know, know where things mm -hmm. are. It's easier, like, you can go everywhere, you know, just walking distance, basically. And that's, I think, also. Uh, how about you, Anna? You also mentioned before when we were preparing this that you lived in other places in Europe and also outside Europe. Maybe very shortly, can you give us a bit of a comparison, maybe? Yeah, so uh, I have also lived in New York and um, all the Benelux countries, um, to be exact. But I think when it comes to Luxembourg, Brussels and the Netherlands, the, it, the places I have lived have been rather international. Because also in Netherlands, I was living in Maastricht, which mm -hmm. is full yeah. of international students. Mm -hmm. um, but I would completely agree with what uh, Ryan and Nuda have been saying. Like you, It opens your mind to people or your life also to people mm -hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily encounter in yeah. your home country or especially hometown. I come from a really very little town um, and you don't encounter anyone who uh, comes from outside of Finland. Of course, now Google is there, so there are uh, more okay. international <laughs> people. But when I was there, um, mm -hmm. it was really like Finnish people, generations that go back mm -hmm. that are just in the same little village. Um, so you get a lot of more perspective in life, I would say. But it's like a bit, isn't Brussels also seen a bit like a village, but with a lot of different countries <laughs> mixing up? <laughs> it is. Sort a bit. of. It is. Sort it of. is. But I mean, in the other hand, I lived in Luxembourg, which is way more uh, yeah. smaller. Yeah, true, true. Um, and for that, I always use this like wordplay of, I think that it's the smallest village and the biggest uh, yeah. like cosmopolitan you can think of because it's, it has all the services and all the activities you can do somewhere like in New York, where I was before. But at the same time, everyone knows someone that knows mm. someone else. So in the end, you know pretty much anyone in the country. Yeah. Um, but for Brussels, it indeed has kind of this warmth of the village yeah. whilst it is big. Yeah, no, it's true. It has this little charm. That's why people, you know, choose to stay. <laughs> but... Now that you you kind of settled a bit here, right, in, in Brussels or in Belgium, how do you do like to keep your connections with your family, your friends? And then also how do you go about like 
creating a new network here in, in Belgium or in Brussels? Like, how do you do all those things? Like, is there like, you know, special times that you have, you know, blocked already in to go back home or, or you do networkings here to meet new people. So all those things, like, how do you deal with those, um, you know, relationships, you know, outside work for First for this. Um, so for keeping connections with family and uh, friends, I think that social media helps a lot. Like I had this very a conversation on this very specific point with my father a few days ago, I think. And he said, I just can't imagine how people in the 70s would have done right. having <laughs> their children living abroad yeah. and not being able to uh, to talk to them as easily as we do. Um, like I have, I think, at least two phone calls with my parents a day, which is in European standards a lot, but for us, it's not. true. But I understand you. That's true. It's true. For Europeans, it's a, it's a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah, yeah. At least one in the morning, one in the evening, and usually uh, the one in the evening is a is a video call. Plus, it's a text, right? Because that's also something new from like yeah. the past decade, maybe mm-hmm. or so. Like before, people would, could have only called, and even though like some people didn't have cell phones, they would call somewhere else. Yes. You know, where there yeah. was a mm-hmm. actual. That's oh. fun, whatever, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Telefo- the, yeah. the old telephone. Um, and to keep connections with friends, I think that um, things like WhatsApp or Messenger ha- groups help a lot. Yeah. So w- in my case uh, and what is happening in my country, more than the half of my friends are all abroad in different countries. Okay, so, so you're all the we, same situation, we basically. Are more or less all in the same situation and are connecting on a daily basis to um, help each other get through the um, living abroad experience because yeah, yeah. uh, not everyone lives it as well as I have the chance to live it. And um, for creating a network, I think that uh, studying here helped me. When I arrived in Brussels, uh, it was a bigger picture of what I lived in the College of Europe. So it was very easy to connect with people because uh, it just, it takes one to go to Place du Luxembourg on a Thursday <laughs> evening and then you create connections. And turns out uh, that's what lobbyists also do. So uh, it's more or less part of my job now. Okay, thank you for your perspective on this. How about you, Ryan? You, I know that you have family also still back home. Yeah. So you visit them often. Yeah, I, I do. I, um, I don't go as often as I probably should just because process of going to the UK is always so intrusive in comparison from, you know, going past the Schengen area, um, yeah. ID cards, uh, passports, cause I have extra ones. But you can't British. go by train, right? So that's also, the, you can you take have, the Eurostar, which you, is yeah. a bit nicer, but then I'd have to go all the way up to Scotland, but like yeah. flying, I used to have to go to Charlois airport. And if anyone's lived here, it's probably the worst thing about Belgium. You mean the Brussels South, Brussels right? Brussels South, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I always try to like, f- do around certain occasions, uh, if I'm being honest. And then usually if I'm seeing people, I usually try to suggest we go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so somewhere else in, so in a Europe. trip somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Or a trip somewhere like mm. that. And that's usually what I do. But in terms of keeping up with my friends, like I'm quite bad at social media. I have like, if you look at my phone now, I'd have about like 50 people left on red. Right. And it's just, <laughs> I can't concentrate on work and then that. And then afterwards, so what I always do with my mates is like, I don't even like gaming it that much anymore, but it's a really good excuse to like, sit for an hour at the very minimum yeah. and just like talk to someone while you're yeah, doing yeah. something. And I found it's like a really good way to, to catch mm. up. Cause I don't like video calls either or yeah. calling or voice notes. Not everyone is a big fan of those. Yeah. No, so it's, um, 
I think it works for different people in different yeah. ways, but like, it's just an excuse. But we to have sort different of... tools, so which is good. Like everyone can find its own, like, you yeah. know, best way to, to communicate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just about finding an excuse. Yeah. Right. And some people find it easier than others. Um, but there's always an excuse. So I don't, I'm not too concerned about that. And how about like your life in, in Belgium? So how did you manage to, not even like, how did you go about that? Like to yeah. build your professional network, but also maybe meet new friends maybe you're into sport. Like I know that people do some sports or some outside, you know, outside work activities that all meet new people. Yeah. I, sports was the f- main thing I did when I came here. Football. Um, I essentially just joined like free teams, uh, <laughs> used all the spare time. You like, also play for the FTI team when we play, right? Yeah. We got robbed <laughs> by Politico. If you're listening. Um, no. Um, yeah. And it's like, and I, I think the main thing about Brussels is like everyone is in the same situation or mm-hmm. has been in the same situation. So a lot of people are a lot more open yeah. to just, doing random stuff yeah. with random times. And also like, I think as a Brit, one of the issues we have is like you meet someone, you really like them and you're having such a great time with them and you think you could be friends. I would never ask them like, oh, we should go yeah, yeah. do something and have fun or like go watch a football match or something like that. And then he, moving here has kind of helped me get into that a little bit more because I would it's just- It's so common, right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because it just, people just do it and then I'm like, oh, if I, they do it, I can do it. Um, it's very much more like culturally accepted. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To, to yeah, yeah. yeah. How about you, Anna? Yeah, I'm probably the worst person to answer this question, to be <laughs> honest, because I move, I, I, for, especially for the professional part, if we go first for the networking process, because I landed my first job in here right before COVID hit. Like I literally got my contract a month before um, and then everything shut. Oh yeah, and it might be a bad excuse today. Yeah. I'm, I admit I might have been a little bit lazy in the last year, but um, um, of course there wasn't much you could do. You were kind of just behind your computer yeah. and you communicated with the people you worked with. But that, that was, was pretty it. much yeah, it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I didn't really get to explore things like Plus to Luxembourg. I mean, everyone goes there. I've heard great stories about it. My but, tractors uh, were there last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> Even tractors go there, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, let's go together. Yeah. See, we, we found a new partner for, yeah. for Plastodix. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still building my network in Brussels, pretty much. Um, as for keeping in touch with family, I'm... I'm definitely opposite from uh, Nuda, I must say, because um, I go to Finland once a year. Um, it's mainly because the tr- uh, plane connections are really bad. So your same situation. Yeah, fine. yeah. Either it's extremely <laughs> expensive, or yeah. or you get like three changes. Mm-hmm. So it's not worth it, especially because I have a small child, so it's not so easy to be in the plane to start with. Um, but. Um, I'm a serial texter. <laughs> I'm, I'm texting all the time. Um, I don't call that much, to be honest. And I think maybe for that, I also want to say that, yes, social media has definitely changed and helped the communication when you are in touch with people that live abroad. But at the same time, I feel like it has made the communication a lot colder. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also if, if somebody that I usually only text with starts calling me, my first reaction is what Why? is wrong? Yeah, right. Like, why yeah. are you calling me? <laughs> is it something big? Has something happened or have yes. I done something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or at the same time when, like I said, I have a small child. So of course I had to announce that uh, we are expecting in some point. 
And then like the fa- fact that you are calling someone uh, on a phone and telling that felt very weird to me. Like yeah. it's something you want to announce face to face, but yeah, it wasn't possible. Yeah. No, but it is it is tricky, I guess, to to adapt, especially in those circumstances. There is positive or maybe even circumstances. But uh, we're coming actually close to to the end of this of this episode, and I wanted to check if before we we finish, if you can share maybe a funny anecdote of something that happened maybe in your first days when you moved to Brussels, maybe a miscommunication moment, or I don't know, I don't know. Like in a, one of the episodes, we discussed like how we greet people in Brussels. Uh, it's a bit you know special as well, like the the kisses and stuff. So I don't know if there's any funny moment you remember from those early days. Yeah, I am. Um, I have one. It's not from the early days. It's actually from not too long ago. Okay, we keeps, always learn apparently. <laughs> it keeps going, it keeps going, and it's Teams, right? So everyone's uh, we work at English environment, right? For work, but it's international English. Yeah, and so it's like, and we learn in Brussels. It's like people have just like interesting like English dialogue. It's just accepted, and things aren't corrected, or and people. It's, go a, on it's and, English spoken by foreigners, basically. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but on Teams, right? I had a colleague, um, Lucrezia, if she's listening. Um, <laughs> I was, helping her, I was helping her out with like some work and stuff like that. And she replied to me, she went, I own you. And I was like, own me? Dad? What? And I, and I just, I let it slip. I thought she was joking. It's yeah. fine. And then I helped her out again. She was like, I own you. And I was like, what is going on? And I let it slide one more time. Right. And then one was, I was like, I own you so much. Right. And I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what are you doing? But like, she meant, I owe you. I owe you. Right. And I never connected the dots. And I was like, do you are like offering to help someone? And then just the, re- the response isn't thank you. It's I own you. And I was like, so confused. Yeah, um, it is a bit intense. I mean, yeah, of course. I, c- I could imagine that. Well, Lucrezia, uh, now it's, you know, it's I owe you. The secret's out. Uh, any, any other funny moments that you encountered? I mean, I think for me, there are plenty for sure, but it's very difficult to call them on the spot like that. Uh, I think one of the first ones, I don't know if it's funny, but uh, maybe the uh, context of it is at least, is that when I moved to New York, of course, you have to say please after every sentence. And it's not something that is enforced in the Finnish school system that much, Mm -hmm. most likely for the reason that please doesn't exist in my language. (laughs) (laughs) So like... I was very rude in most situations, oh, let's say, oh, that way. Yeah, and yeah. often got comments like, so why don't you say please? And I'm like, yes, I do when I ask something bigger, but yeah, like, you but know. For something simple, I don't yeah. really, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. But I think that's also something we have in, in the French language in Belgium. We also say a lot please in sentences at the end of sentence, and it's not very common in actual traditional, not traditional, but classic French, let's say. But the Belgian way of talking is is a bit more... Um, yeah, towards please at the, at the end of every sentence, basically. But yeah, because Belgian was, people are nice people, right? That's, yeah. We go back to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, um, I'll finish with you, Nuda. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's a funny story. Um, more than it is, but probably um, a cultural story. So uh, now everyone knows I'm Tunisian, so I come from the, the Mediterranean Sea, and um, there's a very interesting geographic fact about my country is that. It's the country with the biggest number of olive trees in the world. Uh, so we have a lot of olive oil. And every time I got into that conversation with Mediterraneans in this office or in any other setting and talking about olive oil, they were like, oh, so you have olive oil in your country as well. And I'm like, guys, I come from Tunisia. <laughs> if you see it on the map, you reach Tunis and you still didn't reach Malta. You know? <laughs> I'm very close to you. And 
we do eat olives and uh, <laughs> have olive oil and share common food and uh, have very nice tomatoes. It's not only a Spanish thing. And I think um, the, the funniest situation were food related, uh, where uh, basically Europeans or people from other cultures, I would say, were discovering that in Northern Africa, you'd just have very similar traditions. And uh, it brought a lot of uh, funny stories. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Thank you so much to the three of you for joining. And I hope to see you or to that uh, we listen to you again and on the upcoming episodes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annie. Thank you. Bye.